Thanks, Nazi. Morning, everybody. Morning. 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 Uh, I want to thank Nazi for having me here uh, uh, today and also being on this channel with my good friends here. Uh, trying to do a lot of good things together. Uh, as you know, we're entering a crucial period in this country in terms of formulating national transportation policies from highways and airports to seaports and the rail. I frequently speak to groups about the importance of transportation because it's the foundation of everything that we do. As many of you know, I served on the National Surface Transportation Policy and Revenue Study Commission. The 12-member commission faced an extremely important and pressing task, develop a 50-year plan to provide America with the preeminent transportation system in the world. Congress explicitly directed the commission to include passenger rail as a part of the surface transportation program. That was a very significant directive. Over a two-year period, the commission held 10 field hearings across the country. We heard directly from hundreds of stakeholders. We reviewed hundreds of transportation briefs. We got a first-hand look at many highway rail and waterway facilities. What we learned reinforced what many of, many of us already knew. The nation's transportation infrastructure is getting older and becoming more congested. Our growing and aging population is generating significant transportation needs that are outpacing available fiscal resources. States alone are unable to address this enormous issue and are looking to federal leaders for guidance. It became abundantly clear to us major strategic decisions about national transportation policies have been delayed for far too long. It's time to take action. We heard what people were saying. Late last year, the Commission unveiled its recommendations. Those recommendations envision a multimodal system that provides mobility to all users, urban commuters, rural residents, and freight haulers. A system that is environmentally responsible and utilizes the latest in technology. And a program that is user-financed, outcome-based, mode-neutral, and focused on national priorities. We know that implementing this vision will require significant new investments. We must have tough accountability standards to ensure taxpayer dollars are invested wisely. At the center of all this, we need a strong federal partnership to help the states carry out this vision. Nevertheless, we are making inroads in Congress, and I'll discuss those in a little more detail in a moment. While attending commission meetings, we recognized that the U.S. DOT staff, which was supporting the Commission's efforts, was not well-versed in passenger rail issues. Therefore, we quickly saw a need to create the Passenger Rail Working Group. And I might add that Gene and, and Pat were part of that group. We felt it was necessary to increase awareness for the need and the benefits of inner-city passenger rail. Last December, the Working Group released its report to the Commission entitled Vision for the Future, U.S. City Passenger Rail Network through the year 2050. This plan recommends enhancing America's existing inner city passenger rail system and builds on the network substantially to create a national system connecting some cities and towns that have not had passenger rail service for decades. It envisions an inner city passenger rail network that provides competitive, reliable, and frequent passenger service that's comparable to the world-class systems in other countries. 
It recommends <coughs> upgrading existing service, including possibly higher speeds and frequencies in several <coughs> corridors, including Raleigh, Greensboro, Charlotte, the Gulf Coast Corridor, and here in Florida, from Jacksonville to Orlando, Tampa to Orlando, through Auburndale, and from Auburndale to Miami. It also proposes new passenger rail services in several rapidly growing corridors, including from Baton Rouge to New Orleans, Atlanta to Macon, the Florida East Coast, Jacksonville to Pensacola, and Mobile to Pensacola. Just as importantly, the plan recognizes the role of the freight rail network to the nation's economy, and it respects the capacity growth needed for the freight lines. The report recommends that a new intercity passenger rail program be included in the next Federal Transportation Authorization Bill to address these needs, with 80% of the funding coming from the Federal Government and 20% from the states. This is the same funding commitment made over 50 years ago for our interstate highway network. The total funding estimate uh, needed with this vision is an estimated $357 billion through the year 2050. I'm pleased to say that the working group's recommendations were incorporated into the Commission's report. The Commission recommends initial federal funding of $5 billion per year for intercity passenger rail development grants. As you're aware, as Nazi said, I'm chair of the States for Passenger Rail Coalition and Wisconsin is also a member of the, of the Midwest Regional Rail Initiative. Both organizations have been actively working at the state and national levels to promote passenger rail in this country. Our coalition is a group of 32 state transportation agencies, many of your states, dedicated to promoting inner-city passenger rail development in the United States. The goal of the coalition and the Midwest Regional Rail Initiative continues to be congressional enactment of a dedicated multi-year funding program for intercity passenger rail development in the United States, not unlike what the Commission report says. <clears throat> the Coalition's model since day one has been the 80-20 federal-state partnership that has been so successful in developing our national and state highway <coughs> systems. The role of the states in passenger rail development to date has been an important one. Virtually all of Amtrak's ridership gains over the past several years have come through state-sponsored services. Fourteen states provide <coughs> annual operating support for Amtrak intercity corridor services. These state-supported services account for 35% of the Amtrak <coughs> daily ridership and about half of all passenger trains in its system. Just last year, Wisconsin's Hiawatha service saw ridership hit a record 617,000 people. That's a 5% increase over 2006 ridership and it required us to add an additional rail car to handle all the new people who have discovered the ease and convenience of traveling by rail. And in June this year, the Hiawatha broke a record for monthly ridership with nearly 71,000 passengers, a 40% increase from June of last year, putting us on a pace to surpass 700,000 riders this year, the most ever. We can see the strong correlation between ridership on the Hiawatha and fuel prices. The higher the fuel prices are, the more riders board the train. That's another motivation for providing increased passenger rail services in this country. 
Increased ridership is a trend that we've seen nationwide. A GOA report from November of 2006 notes that total ridership on the state-supported corridor routes increased by 18% from 2002 through 2005. The New York Times recently reported that system-wide Amtrak carried about 25 million passengers last year, and this year it may hit 27 million. <coughs> Since last year at this time, Amtrak ridership is up 11%. This growth could be even greater in the future because at least 35 states have developed inner-city passenger rail plans for future service and have passengers ready to board. All that's needed now is the legislative consensus to get the job done and provide the federal funding we need to provide services the public is clamoring for. There is cause for hope on the passenger rail front. Congress is considering a number of legislative measures that will allow the states to move forward with their passenger rail improvements. Most importantly, legislation to reauthorize Amtrak provide 80-20 capital grants to states has passed both houses. The House Bill, H.R. 6003, provides more than $14 billion for passenger rail investments over the next five years, while the Senate Bill, S-294, provides over $12 billion in funding over six years. The House Bill includes $500 million for a congestion <coughs> grant program to relieve choke points that affect Amtrak's on-time performance a $2.5 billion state capital grant program, $1.8 billion for high-speed rail grants in corridors with train speeds of 110 miles per hour, and $1 billion to help upgrade rail stations to comply with the Ameri Americans and Disabilities Act. Both versions passed the veto-proof majorities and were headed to conference committee to work out differences. Unfortunately, Amtrak's reauthorization bill is being held up in the Senate where Oklahoma Senator Tom Coburn has effectively blocked the naming of conferees. I urge you to contact the Senator and protest his actions. Representative James Oberstar has also introduced Right 21 legislation, H.R. 6004, authorizing $12 billion in tax exempt bonds and $12 billion in tax credit bonds for high-speed rail corridors over 10 years. Senator Dick Durbin introduced legislation to promote replacement and rehabilitation of Amtrak's aging fleet of passenger cars and revive the train car industry in the United States. The bill authorizes $2.8 billion in qualified tax credit bonds over four years for train car projects. Senator Barbara Boxer introduced climate change legislation, S-2191, establishing a transportation sector emission reduction fund supporting transit projects. Since passenger rail would also help reduce CO2 emissions, there's potential for funding from climate change legislation for rail. In the near future, we expect Senator John Kerry to introduce legislation supporting high-speed rail. And finally, my colleagues and I are working to assure that passenger rail is included in the next multimodal transportation authorization bill replacing Safety Lou, which expires in September of 2009. Support from people and organizations like yours will be critical if this important legislation is to make it through the conference process and to the President's desk this fall. 
Nevertheless, I won't pull any punches. There is a threat of presidential veto despite all our efforts. This president has been not been a proponent of public funding for Amtrak or other passenger rail operations. He believes the answer lies in the private sector, which got out of the passenger rail hauling business in 1970 and why Amtrak had to be created in the first place. There's good news on another front as well. The American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, AASHTO, for the first time has included passenger rail as part of its surface transportation authorization process. Two groups, policy and funding, are working to develop AASHTO's approach on rail. We all need to watch this effort carefully and support these efforts. AASHTO has come to the realization that passenger rail needs to be part of the surface transportation picture. Those of us who support passenger rail are very <coughs> pleased by this development. I've done a lot of traveling around the world, and I've ridden passenger trains in Europe, in China, Japan. I've heard many Americans ask the question, why can't an advanced nation like ours have first-class high-speed rail like people in these countries enjoy? The answer is simple. We need more people in Congress who recognize the role passenger rail can play in an integrated transportation system. Now is the time for Congress and the President to provide the means necessary to adequately support passenger rail service in this country. Our country can't wait any longer. And in closing, I'd like to say that, that being a DOT Secretary, 90% of what I do is probably done on highways. And there's there's a future for highways. I'm not saying that the American people are going to stop driving the car, because they're not. We're going to figure out this, this fuel problem. We'll probably figure out how to put beans in a tank or something. But, but we need to become more modal. I see it every day. And, and slowly the country is coming to this realization, but only with people like you getting out there and talking about it talking positively about what passenger rail can do for this country, will it become a reality? We'll do our thing. You need to do yours. Thank you.